Hello and welcome to a special episode of Saka House Brawl. Tonight I'm joined by three lovely Hatamoto guests. Mark Armitage, Scorpion Clan Hatamoto, Devin Bell, you are Crane Clan Hatamoto, and Tim Wells, uh, I presume Line Clan Hatamoto then. That'd be correct. So how are you guys doing? Very good, working over the, the several time changes we had over the weekend from flying across time zones and then the clocks going back. Thankfully, I took little. today off of work, so I've been uh, I've been covering back up. So first of all, you guys are part of a group, uh, and it's called Scrubs on Wheels. So I yeah. suppose why don't you tell me a bit about what Scrubs on Wheels are? Um, well, Scrubs on Wheels is um, is a collection of the northeast, originally a collection of the the northeast players that used to uh, socialize together, meet up at uh, at events, and um, and travel to a lot of events. We're we're big fans of, of road tripping. I think I said this to you last time, Steve, that uh, our catchment area for events. It's, it's kind of about ten hours or so. So we uh, we we get we get a lot of uh, a lot of miles in, and we get a, a lot of stayovers, and we get on very very well. So we decided what this would be. What was it? 2012, Tim, the the year that you drove that you drove Jeff and I to um, to Gencon. I believe Tim, so. Tim lives in Connecticut and is uh, and is willing to to drive all the way to, to Gencon, uh, which on that year was about an 18 hour trip for uh, for me anyway, because Jeff had to pick me up first. Yeah. Uh, and we decided rather than do it all in in one go, we would stay over at a hotel. In the hotel car parking lot across from us, there was a van called Scrubs on Wheels. Uh, <laughs> we just kind of linked a few times and said, "That's uh, that, that's a pretty good name." Yeah, we're gonna. I, I guess we're we're now the we're now the Scrubs. So we will. We've been Scrubs all our lives anyway. But now we're yeah. we're, we're mobile Scrubs. So. All three of you made the trip again together this time up to Minnesota. Uh, we did. We all made um, Hatamoto at Gen Con, uh, which gave us reserved seats so we could kind of pick and choose which uh, which which day we were going to be on, which was great. Um, Devin and I travelled up on together on the Thursday. We we met up at uh, Boston Logan and then um, and headed up from there. Our plan was just to play in the Friday qualifier on what, uh, the one B, play on Saturday if we qualified, and then come back early on on Sunday morning. Um, Tim travelled a little differently, didn't you, dude? So. Yeah, I, I headed out on Wednesday. My wife dropped me off at the airport and I just flew over. Had a nice relaxing day that evening to get some casual games in. And then uh, I actually decided to play on Thursday for the qualifier as opposed to Friday like Mark and Devin did. So we start with Thursday then. You Did you go 6-0 and or did you go... No, no, I went 6-0. Uh, there were two of us, myself and another player. I only know him as Kingsley. I believe that's his last name. He's a Dragon player. He's very uh, well-known on the Discord channel. He was, I think no he's the, the, very good player. I think he's the Dragon Topper Clan in the end, wasn't he, if I, if I remember correctly? Yes, yes he was. Was it a tough... A tough slog? Did you find you coasted through? Did you kind of meet a lot of experienced players, or what was the field like? Uh, the field was mixed. Like, I was surprised that, that not everybody was quite as experienced as I thought they'd be, trying to, like, traveling to Worlds. I guess if it's close enough, it's not really that big of a travel. Okay. They were good games, and almost all my games were close at one point or another. Uh, sometimes it just snowball out of control. I was playing Lion, Dragon Flash. Tim, yeah, can you remember how many, um, how many Hatamotos there were at the start of your event? Eight or nine. It was yeah, somewhere around that. that, plus or minus one. Okay. Yeah, they, they 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 separated out the Hatamotos before the beginning of each day. So um, there were a lot of people that were saying, uh, that were trying to pick a day based on maybe how easy it was going to be, or or assuming that the, the Hatamotos would increase the level of competition. Um, so yeah, I was. Good. I mean, I know that there was only maybe two on um, on Wednesday, um, if that. Yeah, I was just kind of curious how. From watching the streams. Um... On my side, Wednesday definitely looked like the easier day. 
I think even with the clan breakdowns as well, when you saw the clan breakdowns, and what turned out to be the stronger clans weren't represented as much as they would have been on the Thursday and the Friday. When did you play Devin? Uh, I played on Friday, uh, which was the same day Mark played. Uh, And I I think of the three of us, I uh, definitely kept the scrubs part of our (laughs) of our title in, you know, in spirit. Uh, I had a really rough start. Uh, I actually opened uh, as an 0-2 record from my first two games. And you needed to have a 4-2 record to make it into day two. I was kicking myself pretty hard. I know Mark could tell. I rallied uh, my third game. I ended up winning not quite the way I liked, mostly because of a rules interaction that put my uh, my opponent on tilt. Okay. But uh, at least getting one win under my belt kind of gave me my second win, and I did manage to finish the day at 4-2, so I did qualify into day two. And your deck was Crane with... Dragon Splash. You're going to yeah, see I... a team. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah, funnily enough, um, I had been mostly playtesting the Scorpion Splash uh, after Gen Con. Right. But from playing Mark so much, I determined that the Scorpion Splash was uh, a bit too harmful when playing into Scorpion because of all the dishonor they needed to use. And then I didn't play a single Scorpion uh, at all at Worlds. My my testing didn't quite pan out. Uh, Mark, uh, well, I know your deck fairly well. I know, I know whose deck it is. So why don't you take us through your experience? Sure. Uh, well, I ended up going 6-0 as well because uh, I couldn't let Tim get away with being the only scrub to do that. I'm uh, playing uh, jo- a John Butler built deck again. Um, his deck is absolutely exceptional. Uh, he's been fantastic about uh, putting it out there in the public domain. It's been on the dojo of lies uh, forum for for some considerable time he linked to it off the the facebook group as well um and not only did he put the deck out there he explained why the cards were in there he explained the strategies about how to play it um there, there are other scorpion builds there are there were some exceptional scorpion builds that were there that, that didn't um uh, follow john's list um but this is one that really suits my play style very, very well. And with with good coaching from John, it was yeah, it was it was a good day. Um, in the very first round, um, I played against John D. Batista, who's uh, an absolutely incredible player from the Chicago area of the uh, of original Five Rings, and and it's uh, he's one of those people that it, it's really good to see come over from because you know that not only is he going to raise the skill level of the, the the players that he's around, but he's a cool guy to be around as well. So, so it was a lot of fun seeing him throughout the entire event. Um, and that kind of set my tone off really well. Um, uh, he's playing Phoenix. Uh, I can't remember his splash, um, uh, but it was... Um, it, it was a it's a game that um, I'd thought about a lot. Uh, I spoke to John just before um, we actually we flew out um, and uh, mentioned to him that I had done zero testing against Dragon or Phoenix, and we were expecting to see both of them um, in force at the uh, at Worlds. Um, now I was lucky that I did get one game in on Thursday after we arrived. Um, a Dragon game against uh, Jasper, who was one of the guys that was staying in our little block of rooms, and that 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 did me the world of good because it meant that when I faced Dragons later on, I had an idea what I was doing. Played two Hatamotos during the course of the day, uh, both playing Phoenix, as it happened. Um, I played, uh, yeah, I think I went Phoenix, Dragon, Crane, no, Phoenix, Dragon, Phoenix, Crane, Phoenix, and then something else. I remember what the other deck I was I played against that day. Yeah, I played the two Phoenix Hatamotos. I played Travis McDaniel um, in an absolutely exceptional game. He's an uh, incredible player uh, and managed to squeak out the win there. Okay. Uh, I played um, the infamous Ben Fox in uh, in oh, really? <laughs> round four, which was, uh, as, as I, sa- I said to him outright, we share a lot of friends. And he had, I should say as well, I had a, I had a really fun game against Ben and he, he was convinced he was going to lose at the start. And I'm like, I don't know, it's a 
we'll, we'll see how it goes. He, he, he played very well, but I, I got a I got a good game against him. And then I finished off the day playing against uh, another of the Phoenix Hatamotos, uh, Nick Soto, who's a seriously cool guy. Um, that was he was uh, actually second um, in the rankings at GenCon on, on the Friday as well. So we managed to have a game with both stone roll cards on the table because John sent the one I'd given him over. I got to use that, and, and Nick has his as well. Um, just just back to maybe the field of play again. There's a couple of things I want to ask from just from watching it myself. First of all, did you win all your games by Dishonor, Mark? I did. Why I'm asking is because one thing I, I was kind of surprised by, this is probably a meta thing, was the bidding. People, to me, like they were bidding very high in the tournament, kind of higher than I would expect, and it was kind of a bit of an eye-opener for me. Well, I think our results are obviously going to be skewed depending on what factions we're playing. Um, of course. I'm playing yeah. Scorpion. I'm playing Scorpion and you would think that people would be bidding lower and and in general I mean it wasn't like everybody opened five several people did um, open five against me yeah the only one I was a little bit surprised was was the game I lost in Swiss on the Saturday when I played against uh, somebody that a Scorpion player that bid five against me first turn uh, but then he had two forged edicts when he really needed them so he was doing it the right way so I noticed people were being a lot more conservative with their opening bids compared to GenCon where there was a lot of there was a lot of fives and ones at GenCon like it was very swingy either way yeah, yeah. Uh, I almost always open with a three just to keep it in the middle and most of my games my opponents were matching me uh, so there wasn't a lot of honor swings, but we okay. usually both had pretty full hands. The tournament structure itself was a grueling. Um, it seems to me an incredibly unforgiving format. Did you feel under pressure? I, I think four two to qualify for the the the, the Saturday is okay. Um, I, uh, the points carrying over is a little iffy it, it, it's the, the the graduated cut is something that that ffg are very fond of um and it's something that that i think works well for them in a lot of situations um what they need to do is is tweak the number of rounds slightly and get their timekeeping under control there in general rounds finished promptly and it was nowhere near the absolutely shambolic catastrophe that the gencon was in places um okay but they're but there was on the Saturday certainly um, there there are some issues which we'll go into in detail now um, in a moment I should say um, but the the four four two to qualify um, isn't terrible um, okay. and this so this affected Devon quite directly um, because um, going zero two in a lot of cases in, in a lot of qualification systems would mean you have no chance of going through you might as well pack up and go home now um, but Devon knew that if, if he was to pull around if he could pull around his four games yeah he's probably not going to end up in the top 16 um, but he's going to make Saturday which has a prize level all of its own um, and then if you can win on Saturday um, if you can win a couple of games on Saturday you may make the top 32 and get um, a playmat out of it and and then there's always the chance of uh, of getting one of those uh, those clan challenger spots uh, as well those areas of the format of the i i actually thought were, were good and it was certainly something that um that is encouraging going forward what they need to do i think is just kind of get together and tweak their numbers a little bit maybe seven rounds instead of six and qualifying um five twos i agree i think there should have been an extra round on saturday and due to the size of the event, I really think there should have at least been a 32 cut rather than a 16. Well, a, a, a 16 plus it. 7. It's, uh... Well, yeah. <laughs> I really wish there was a Hatamoto lounge like they were supposed to have. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Again, no. That doesn't sound like a bad idea. The Hatamoto program, um, it, and I've said this about a lot of the things that, that FFG OP are trying to do. Uh, I think it's innovative. I think it's unique. And I think it's incredibly encouraging that they're, they're applying this level of uh, creativity to it. Um, and it's uh, it's something that is genuinely enthusing and exciting. Um, but it has to, you have to follow through on, on the things that you, you say that you're doing. Um, and one of the things that they, they stated uh, there would be for world championships for winter court and for their cotes and for their grand cotes uh, was a, a separate Hatamoto area. Um, like, and yeah, we, we, we absolutely envisaged it as like, you know, just a little like cornered off area, of maybe a side room or something, or, uh, possibly like it's got its own drinks in there, but somewhere where you can go to relax and just to, just to take a little break out. Um, Get a massage, be, a pedicure. Well, yeah. well, we actually we had that at the hotel. That was that was actually, <laughs> that's, uh, but not just, just basically just somewhere where you can actually just be away from the the general hubbub. Um, yeah. And crucially, that would be somewhere where where the tournament staff would know you are as well. For all the positives from the format of the event, the gap between the end of the two rounds on the Saturday and then the the challenger round starting was much longer than it needed to be. Uh, they, they took like an hour and a half break for dinner, which was great, but they told us all to be, be, be back there at two o'clock. And then they didn't um, get the actual round started until in excess of like two thirty, okay. and then and on top of that, say the the, the round was I mean, was obviously very fiercely contested, and it definitely went over the hour. So it was it was close to four o'clock when the um, when the the top sixteen games started in earnest, um, and what that meant was that, I mean that 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 meant we were looking at what three and a three and three quarter hours gap between the last time that we had played, and actually starting again um the world championships is as much about socializing as it is about uh, about yeah. competing. you start to feel uh, a little bit out of it and and i think if you had an area where you could go and rest in um or even if you were just told this is how long it will be before you need to be back here because we were just kind of hanging around the tournament area just waiting to be told when we needed to play again um okay. but certainly that the hotel's only 10 it's only five minutes walk away i mean you if you were feeling out of it, you could have gone down for a lie down or something. You could have relaxed and then come back and then been revitalized, ready to, to play. It, it it seemed like it was unnecessarily fatiguing. After my second win, I went 8-0. I was the only undefeated player. And we broke for lunch. And they said it's told us to be back at 2 o'clock. I was like, I went and had, some, uh, had a bite to eat. And then we hung around for a bit. Probably like uh, after eating, maybe an hour, a little less than an hour. Because uh, I think I finished my game at 12.34 thereabouts. And then at 2 o'clock, we were waiting for another half hour, figuring out to do the challenge rounds. And they said, okay, uh, you're not going to be needed until four o'clock. And during this time period, I started the exhaustion, whether it's just mental exhaustion, lack of sleep, whatever the case may be, hit me pretty hard. Okay. And I was feeling really out of it. And, and it was long. It got to the point where I, I'd drinking some caffeine. I had had something to eat, so I wasn't really hungry. I bought a candy bar to just have some sugar, see if that helped. And then I sent the, or I didn't send, I asked my friend Donovan Sparks to go pick me up a uh, five-hour energy shot. Well, he had left to go get it, but by then, again, I wasn't really thinking straight, and we had, uh, he got back just as I was sitting down to play my top 16 match. Okay. So I set everything up. I quaffed it down. I was still feeling the the funk, as it were. Nice, yeah. And uh, in my game, I was just just a little bit slow, like on on everything I did. I like I said, no offense to John, he he played a great game. It was not his fault in any way, shape, or form. 
I felt that my game was a travesty more than anything else because I would have liked to play better. So it felt like it was a, a good game one way or another. Yeah. As it was, I made so many mistakes, generic little mistakes. I can recount them all in my head. <laughs> but it was just right after I did the mistake, you know, there's no take backs. It's a top 16. So I made a mistake and I just had to truck on and then another one it was like dominoes falling and it just that game was a not the greatest experience which is sad because you know all my other games went great but then the final game for the day the top 16 is when all the everything hit me and it was just that was it i got knocked out and i was very disappointed more with myself than anything else devin what about your tournament where where did you stop for one uh, yeah, I, well, I made it into day two by making my comeback, uh, and then I had so, sorry, I lost both of my. Don't watch over games. the comeback because that sounds like a pretty epic comeback. To be fair, I went o two one four, then lost two, so okay. I ended up with All the right. with a four four split over the entire weekend. All right, okay. Devin was in the was it like win or go home mode for for like four full rounds um, on on the Thursday. I I mean. Yeah, that's some pressure. Yeah, like I said, like it, it really just required that that one game turnaround uh, to yeah. to get myself motivated to come back. I was kicking myself particularly hard after the round two loss because um, it was versus Crab, who uh, our friend Ian, who's also a scrub, is probably my second most continuous test partner, and he's diehard Crab. So I I thought I had the rhythms down on. You know, buy your little guy first. Don't let your champion get assass- get way of the crabbed. Uh, you know, all the little nuances. But I started a turn where I knew my opponent was going to be buying Casada, And I had virtually every type of burnable action that I could have wished for on the board. Yeah. Uh, I had I had Narishma. I had an Artisan Academy. I think I had a storehouse on the table. And I just used all of it right at the beginning of the conflict phase. No, <laughs> so, so I had to waste like real actions whenever Casada would show up to fight, and yeah, it's like all my playtesting experience just went right out of my head. So that that had a lot to do with my mood after the game. Um, but thankfully, the the third round, like it was pretty casual to begin with. My opponent was great. Um, you know, we had we had some nice banter in the beginning. Things were moving yeah. pretty pretty smoothly. The rules interaction that I mentioned earlier was uh, with Endless Plains, the Unicorn Province. I guess her local playgroup had been playing Endless Plains that the fight immediately ended when the province broke itself. Yeah. Uh, So when I attacked, I had two characters. I had a Doji Challenger and a Whisperer. So she broke the province. I killed my Whisperer, but my Challenger was still there. I asked her if she wanted to assign any defenders, which is when the rule interaction came up. And when she explained it to me, I let her know that, no, the conflict does continue through resolution. And I actually brought up the learn to play book because it's on the frequently asked questions page to show her. And it was it's just one of those things where you play something for so long, you think you know how it works and somebody flips it right on its head and just yeah. changes whole perspective of the game and it put her on tilt really hard so we like we kind of went through the motions of the rest of the conflict and then she just conceded because she couldn't continue playing so i like i didn't feel great about it because that's never a good thing to experience but i mean it was a win it got me one step closer and you know kind of put that light in my eye that hey i i can come back now i'm not completely out uh the next game i drew our other scrub alan who was in attendance 
uh, who's a very good player. He, uh, I played with him a lot, uh, but he uh, he had a flight out the next day, so he couldn't even play in the cut. So like he was all willing to concede just to begin the game with. But I said, no, let's play it out, and I, I did actually win, so that was good. So that that really gave that really gave me the effort to go through. My first game of Saturday for the, the cut was against Lion, who opened up with two Lions Pride Brawlers, and oh. that was that was game right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clan Challenger system. What we took it to be was that um, any clan that didn't put a representative into the top 16, uh, the highest placed player from that clan would get to challenge the lowest placed seeded player. Uh, if there were, I know, pulling a clan out of the top of my head, uh, uh, for example, a unicorn deck that failed to make the cut, uh, then he would get to, he or she would get to challenge the bottom placed seed, the, the number 16 seed, and if uh, whoever won would take their place in the top 16. Um, okay. This is entirely a misconception caused by that being a fairly sensible way of doing it. But if you if you read the actual announcement, what it clearly states is the highest placed player from each clan that doesn't make the cut so it's the highest placed player that doesn't make the cut from each clan there you go that, that, that that's yeah. the right way around stating it so there, there wasn't a unicorn deck in the top 16 um so there's so the highest placed unicorn player got to to take part along with representatives of all the other clans um so they they would they, they challenged uh that game to, to see if they could come in and several of the challenges actually won including um second place finisher uh, john urbanak um yeah. and he he actually was the third placed um crane initially um but two players in the top 16 actually dropped uh to go and play netrunner there was crab hatamoto and there was uh philip who was the the scorpion player that beat me on um, saturday there was a few people kind of frowning at um and when they heard that players were dropping out to go and play netrunner yeah. in philip's case um he was the german uh, netrunner champion uh which had got him a seat in um, worlds and had they had paid all his expenses to come over and he was genuinely like like tormenting himself and saying is it disrespectful of me to to not play in the the, the game that they brought me over here to play and alex watkins the uh, european op um, gentleman was there who's an absolutely incredible guy and and he was um, like talking him down a bit and, and making sure that like he understood look nobody was going to think anything badly of you if you you're in with a chance of winning the world championship and, and he dropped out from a place in the top 16 and i believe the crab player did the same thing um they still kept hatamoto status because hatamoto was awarded to the highest placed finisher from each clan at the end of swiss so you know going into this you're that your top 16 are going to be challenged by these players coming forward but your prize support for the top 16 should be top 16 plus seven if i finish in 10th and I'm like, fantastic! I've just made the cut. I'm I'm in like the the uh, I'm in the, the top 16 of the world championships, and then get told, oh, you need to play another game. I'm like, okay, that's, well, but we're here to play games. But then you lose for whatever reason, and then all of a sudden, that that place that you earned and the rewards that came with right, it yeah. has been snapped back away from you. That would feel pretty harsh. I would. Okay. So I really hope going forward that um, that they make sure that uh, any prize level uh, for a top 16. If they are using the clan challenger system, which I like and I think is, is is thematic and I think is very interesting, but I want them to make sure that their prize support covers everybody that will be involved in that round, uh, regardless of result. That's fair enough. But before speaking to you, I probably would have 
looked at it more positively hearing your points of it there does that cast some some kind of different light on it the positive thing i would say about it it encourages maybe clan diversity it really does mean that if you're playing a clan that somehow doesn't have a chance of posting somebody in that final 16 that you know you're going to have a representative um although it should very much be noted that the the unicorn deck uh, is very easy for me to say oh like you know un- unicorn we're never going to make the cut anyway i think it was it was brandon zimmer that was playing unicorn was, he kicked yeah. ass. yeah he kicked ass all weekend and yeah. If he he, uh, he lost um, his last round game, which would have put him into the top 16, um, to Brad Amon, who's... Yeah, uh, I saw that. Um, but time was called in the game, and Brad was ahead on uh, tiebreaker points. Brad will tell you this outright. Brandon had that game next turn. If the game went another turn, yeah. then Brandon, Brandon absolutely had it. And Brad actually finished um, seventh um, after Swiss. It, it is only one person, admittedly, and, and he's clearly an exceptional player um but there there, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for unicorn hopefully any thoughts on the clan breakdowns yourselves uh do you feel like the final result was actually representative of the strength of the clans no (laughs) (laughs) um i think lion is a lion there are certain contenders that are, are relatively better than others but not by large margins i think it right now especially in the, the core environment some clans are going to be weak in others it's also a matter of play style crab can play very defensively however that makes for a longer game because if they defend challenges it's harder for their opponent to take a province and vice versa if you're defending challenges you aren't then coming across and advancing your win condition either i've played against unicorn besides the fact that they are generally known as being at the bottom of the totem pole at the moment i don't think it's by much i think the margin is much smaller than other people assume it is the issue is that if they are playing against somebody who is of equivalent skill with one of the other clans they are going to need more luck just because the card their cards are missing just the edge yeah but they're almost there yeah if you're a good player however you can still take that and and beat other people who are also who are playing the other clans, but not necessarily are as good at making the correct choice. I think that came across watching Brandon Zimmer's games. Out of out of all the players I watched on stream, like you, you, you always see mistakes, and I'm not trying to like crucify people for mistakes. Everyone makes them. Brandon Zimmer, by far, was the most cons- consistent player for not making any mistakes or any obvious mistakes, at least. It all is very logical, and even watching, even knowing what the opponent has in hand, which he doesn't know, it always looked like the right decision. Um. What about the other clans? Then? Did you expect Lane to win? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, well, like I said, I think a lot of it comes down to to player skill. Uh, is yeah. Lion has uh, does have a number of big advantages, and I, I I felt confident I would have liked to win myself if uh, circumstances had been better. But say la vie. I'm glad Samuel won. Um, it really does come down to to the player, not necessarily the clan. Though, having things like Lion's Pride Brawler or Keats of Spirit Caller or <laughs> For Greater Glory certainly yes. helped. Just about everybody except uh, except Unicorn probably had a chance. And even Unicorn, the main reason I don't think they had a chance is, again, they just needed more luck to take the edge. And while they could win games, winning a tournament is it's harder to do over the long run because there's just so many games. And if you drop one, that's it. So just yeah. a little bit of luck. Weren't you convinced that um, the Crab were going to win, if I remember much? I, I yeah. was fairly convinced, yeah. In fact, did you go as far I, as I, to, as I to name the, the guy? Player? Yeah, it was, uh, Car- it was a Carlos Lopez, I think. Carlos Lopez, did, did you? I mean, and, and I, I I only know this because uh, my long journey back yesterday, I I'd, um, <laughs> was spent like, listening to you guys. <laughs> um, where did he finish, out of curiosity? Do you know? No idea. 
No, that was just a gen, that, that was oh. genuine curiosity then. I wasn't trying to set you up for anything. It's just uh, <laughs> It would have been a nice setup, to be honest. <laughs> it would have been good. Um, but no, you, you had enough of that with your, with your hot takes from your cast members about um, who was going to win and who yeah. wasn't. Well, so. I, mean, I mean, the two guys, the two other guys were sitting on the fence, so... I mean, no, you, you have to commit. You, you have to stick do. your head. You have to stick your neck out sometimes and uh, yeah. just well, uh, pick something. I, I can absolutely say that beforehand, um, I was in no doubt whatsoever that Dragon were definitely going to win. So to to move on to a hot topic, there was a lot of talk about slow play. I wouldn't really agree with it myself from watching the final. There was a sense in the tournament, and I think we actually touched on this in our episode in our last episode about. Um, how maybe this point system in, not encourages, but uh, okay, yeah, encourages slow play in some some instances, or let's say careful play. Would you feel that's a fair assessment? And what is your take on let's say the final actual final game? So uh, none of my games actually went to time. Leading up to Worlds, I've been timing all of my games just to kind of keep track of it. So I haven't I haven't personally experienced this, but uh, from, I mean from Gen Con, I thought the tiebreakers were. Fair. I mean, it's kind of hard sometimes to make a definitive system with L5R because, I mean, honor isn't as much of an issue as it used to be in terms of blurring the lines on game state. But the game can swing very quickly into another player's favor. So sometimes being making a, a hard yes or no decision on who's winning is, is hard to track. In terms of the final, things were definitely moving slow. I mean, a lot of that can be attributed to it's the finals of the yeah. World Championship. You know, players definitely want to play carefully and, you know, they don't they don't want to make mistakes. There were a few times where I thought it was a little excessive. Tim was sitting with me for a good portion of it, and I was also sitting near Matt Lagar, who was the winner at Gen Con. He's another Crane Hatamoto. Kind of pointing out some of the things where um, both players took, I mean, sometimes a few minutes to make fairly simple decisions. And I kind of feel like sometimes it's better to take an action and just roll with it rather than overthink it. Um, So, like, again, I don't I don't really know if it's really deliberate or if it's just the pressure. But I mean, if things were moving a little slow, the only real moment that I thought about maybe the potential for slow play was early on in the game john was resolving a spies at court and uh samuel kind of took his time with like mixing his hand up and very deliberately laying down every card individually on the table and it just seemed to take up more time than was really worth it i mean most players will give their hand a quick shuffle fan them out let their opponent pick a card okay that, that was that was really the only questionable moment I think I really had in terms of, of timing. I mean, the line was quite behind. He did make quite a hefty comeback. Um, right. Oh, so, yeah. So, so what, what benefit is there to him slow playing at that point? That's, that's the thing. Slow playing isn't necessarily just an advantage you get when you're winning, especially if you it's, know that it's, you're... It's, it's disruptive as well, isn't it, to your, to your opponent? disruptive. Yeah. yeah. If you're waiting for something to happen, you're waiting for your opponent, it can throw you off. Especially sure. if you know it sets the tempo for later in the game. If you're deliberately slow the whole way through, it can it'll slow down the game, which is not necessarily a horrible thing for the finals. Yeah. And sets that anticipation. So you could not saying he did, but you could set it up to where let's say it takes you thirty seconds to make your first decision. Later on in the game when you're taking forty or forty five seconds or a minute or more, you can scale it up and it's not as noticeable because you already slow from the beginning. So it's what's well, a little bit slower. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
like I said, I'm not sure that happened. I, I can't speak to it. I know from the reading the, the Discord and all the other conversations about it, I didn't watch the other games he had because uh, I, I was watching Mark's games for the most part because they were in opposite sides of the bracket. I had heard multiple times that apparently he had been warned by a judge in a, in a previous game about being slow. I, don't, I can't speak as to whether it's true or not. I couldn't hear in the post-game interview. He had mentioned something he had actually admitted to playing for time at some point. I saw that interview. He, it, it wasn't he admitted to slow play. He, he admitted to trying to get inside his head or the guy's head. So he, yeah, he definitely which, was doing some gamesmanship and self-admitted. Yeah. Like, that's fairly... Gamesmanship is okay. The problem with it is that the judges need to, to step on it if it's if it's obviously disrupting the game. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they absolutely need a more robust system of making sure that the judges are aware of uh, what their responsibilities are, uh, what their authority is, um, and how their discipline, disciplinary uh, procedure works. Um, because it's also it's also worth pointing out that Tim's mentioning here about active judging. At no point during the, uh, well, certainly uh, short of the final, was it ever communicated to anybody that there would be active judging during the games. Um, there are outright situations where judges were told about stuff that was going on and were were said, no, we, we can't interfere in the games. Um, okay. uh, but to to counteract that as well, I mean, the the game I'm pl- I was playing against um, against John in the the top four, we weren't assigned a judge. We didn't have anybody there, but a judge walking past did feel the need to step in and make a ruling um an incorrect ruling um on um on the use of a card in the middle of the game um I'm like well you just just because you're a judge doesn't mean that you should be interrupting things you should probably and especially when you've got it wrong as well that's yeah. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, I recall and, that moment. Yeah, and, and after, I mean, we we basically, I mean, John and I both knew the ruling was wrong, and we and it, but it wasn't going to impact our game massively. Well, we're just going to carry on, just going to carry on with what we're doing. We were having a friendly game. It was nothing that we either of us was going to get stressed at. And the judge left, um, and Tim actually took him to one side and said, "Hey, just so that you you know, that ruling was wrong." And here's like the and he brought up the relevant like um, information and showed it to him. And the guy went, "Oh, okay," and walked off. But this very much leads into, uh, or very much uh, lends credence to to the request for an official um, FAQ uh, or official errata sheet, um, because if rulings are laid out uh, in an official document, then that would be something that you could say, hey, could you check this out? I think they need to be more timely with their FAQs and erratas rather than once or twice a year, because uh, there was an issue that came up about uh, viewing Dynasty cards in your province's post-mulligan yeah. before you your conflict hand and there's been no official answer to any of these it's basically a big telephone game of i email nate french who said that i could do this and here's the answer to this question when there's like so a lot of time we're kind of taking that on you know on honor and we don't but we don't have an official document and we don't have a place where we can pull up these rulings when somebody asks about it we're just saying no some guy on the internet said that this other guy said this is how we do it Next, next hot potato. <laughs> Let's say, um, obviously, Mark, you got to pick a, a role. I did, and, and um, I, think it, uh, I think it went down very well with the community. We should, uh, I should point out as well that uh, that Devin also picked a role. Uh, we both got to pick roles at um, at GenCon too. This foreshadowed a little bit what has gone on in the last few days, <laughs> because yeah. uh, Devin's pick um, at uh, GenCon was not met with universal approval. Uh, from from the, the the 
the the crane player base. Um, Not the, at uh, all. So, so yeah. let's let's go through maybe the non-controversial ones first, right? Um, I know Unicorn got vo- uh, Keeper of Void, which I was surprised by and pleasantly surprised by. Phoenix got Keeper of Water. Water, water? okay. Um, well, which is which is slightly ironic because Devin's second clan is Phoenix, and he has a uh, he picked Keeper of Water for. Um, Brain at Gen Con, so until now he can just like switch the the nice flash stone roll card over to his second deck and use it for that instead. Blink, uh, bling yep. is important. Uh, Crab got Keeper of Earth, which is Crab all yeah. over. Yeah. Um, Dragon got Keeper, uh, or sorry, Seeker of Fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Crane got Seeker of Air, and which is perfect. Yeah. Line got Keeper. Keeper of Fire. Line got Keeper of Fire. Keeper of Fire. Yeah. Fire. And then of course, uh, last but not least, Scorpion got Keeper, or sorry, Seeker of Void. Oh, look what you did there, Steve. Oh, see you, what I did you, there. You, you made some people <laughs> happy for, for a moment. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, the the order that they came out in is is pretty important as well. Okay. Oh, the, 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 the final position, um, it was Lion picking first, followed by uh, Crane, uh, followed by Dragon, because uh, uh, Kingsley was ahead of me in uh, at the end of Swiss. Um, then then Scorpion picked fourth. Uh, I want to say Phoenix fifth, uh, Crab sixth, Unicorn seventh. I think yeah. Unicorn actually got to pick before Crab. Okay. Uh, Seeker Vary is perfect. Uh, it's my personal favorite role. The Crane player base very much wanted Keeper of Fire, um, which was taken out of our hands due to line going first. But if I had been in the position, I probably still would have chosen Seeker of Air. I mean, economy in a fixed economy game is great, regardless of what you're doing. And the air, the neutral air provinces are just more resources. So being able to run both of them in a deck is perfect. And for the line then, Tim, are you happy with the choice? Well, Actually, prior to uh, Samuel winning and after I'd known he was going to be in the finals and whatnot, I had spoken to him about both the story choice and the, the role choice. And thankfully, he was either he'd already decided on his own to do so or he was persuaded by my arguments because both were options that I that I wanted. I definitely thought Keeper Fire was a solid. I wanted to keep Keepers because I agree is good. Keeper Initiates are solid, especially at a line just because we have the Stronghold can give us an easy across the board. So going wide is better than going tall. And I like a lot of the Keeper options that we have available right now as it is. So uh, Keeper was a solid choice. Uh, I think Fire was probably the best of the options. I think just Dishonor and Honor decks are going to be stronger choices for yeah. people going forward after we get out of the core set. And Fire works for everything. No, Mark, on to you. And I suppose this is the one that's caused the most kind of drama over the last couple, maybe 48 hours even. I, I, I was honestly thinking, like, what, what website or what uh, podcast content can we give you guys uh, when I made my pick? That was <laughs> uh, first and foremost in my mind. It's much appreciated. <laughs> I got you back. You know that. So, so um, to be honest, you do need, and I'll say you need to clear this up, but... It does need to be cleared up because there's a lot of uh, what I know because I've I'm close to some of the decision made. There's a lot of BS about why he was picked and what the motives were, and I think that arises maybe from Brad Eman, yep. I suppose, declaration of why he his intention of giving up Dragon Hatamoto to prevent mm-hmm. Scorpion from getting Keeper. So some people took it that he was he was basically doing it to deliberately give Scorpion a really bad roll card. Um, I don't think that's the case. You have to go back to Gen Con. Um, the, the, the fact that the Scorpion clan had the first pick at, uh, at Gen Con um, and 
I chatted with with John Butler, who was there, and like I said, I mean, I I cannot give enough props to to John as the uh, as the builder of these decks that I have done well with, um, as um, as somebody that has given me so much advice and inspiration. Um, I mean, they, they say let let. John deserves all the credit for this stuff. He may not be here playing the games with me, but he is certainly sat right over my shoulder telling me what to do. Um, okay. So at so at Con, we had like we had a conversation, and we brought in um, the the other Scorpion players that were there that we knew. Um, the deck that we played in single core and the deck that we still think is, think is the best deck in uh, free core for Scorpion runs uh, Seeker of Void, and um, we have not really seen anything that has changed that view. Um, okay. So. At Gen Con, you had to decide what role we were going to have for two months. Um, uh, it, all it was going to be, essentially, was for one major tournament, and that's the World Championships. And at that point, um, you are locked in for 12 months to a different role. Um, so we wanted to pick something that would give Scorpion um, a great chance to be competitive because this is the first World Championships for Five Rings, and it would, or for the Five Rings LCG, and it would be wonderful for them to be able to to do something in that uh, and we wanted to but so something that would be strong but not overpowered and something that would um that would still leave us room to improve um and the improvement was was to go to um seeker of void so we 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 skip forward two worlds we met brad twice before uh once very much in passing um the year before last at gen con when he absolutely spanked me in um the final of a, of a game of thrones draft pod and then this year so we actually had more of a of uh, an interaction because he, he's the guy that scooped to me in the the, the end of um, uh, Swiss uh, because he knew that I really wanted Hatamoto and I wanted to be at Worlds. Um, so I mean, th- this was a guy I'd never met before that kind of that, that made an amazing gesture, and and you know that I, I ca- cannot thank him or James Balthus, the other dragon player there, enough for that. They are okay. great guys. Could, I'd already been told somebody had said, "Oh, have you heard that Brad's good giving up um, dragon so that he can so that he can screw Scorpion over?" And I said. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like 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 this, this really nice guy that was doing this cool stuff, you know, like like when we were at Gencon, um, and he actually came in a few minutes later and was like, "I need to ask you something." I'm like, "Sure, yeah, go ahead." He said, <laughs> and and he. And, and, and he explained what he was thinking there. And I know that there are a lot of people that, that have a problem with this, that, that say, uh, that, that call this hubris, that, that, that say it's arrogant of him to assess this. Um, um, Brad comes from a very, very competitive meta, um, and he is an, an exceptional card player. Um, he is very good at analyzing things. He is very good at working out what, what problems could be. Um, with that said, um, his view was that backhanded compliment would create a would would certainly give um, a lot of gas to um, to to Scorpion Dishonor, um, but to such a degree where they'd be able to bomb people out from uh, five sixes, they could go for anything at this point. Yeah. It would be something that would be almost impossible to stop. I mean, yes, you have like some action negation, um, but it's going to be really difficult to hit. And and currently during a game, when you are in that danger zone of five or six. Um, then you know that you are at risk of losing to Dishonor, but you also know that it's mostly going to be your decisions from this point on that decide whether you get dishonored or not. Um, his view is that backhanded compliment creates a situation where it's not it, it's not in the other player's hands anymore. And he said that like that I want to get a seeker role. Um, I said, well, people have said you're going to try and pick the worst seeker role, and and he wasn't. He he said like, I, I just want I just want it to not be keepers. And well, if you're in a position to do so, then please pick something that's at least good for the scorpion. And he went, yeah, sure, no problem. This is stuff that can enter into like five rings player history you know he got a lot of negative feedback about it how can you not respect somebody that's willing to like kind of take on that mantle of villain and try and do it and that's what brad was doing as well brad brad knew that he was 
get slaughtered online about this. Um, and he was like, no, I'm going to try it anyway. And I said, all respect to you. We had already made the decision that Seeker of Void would be good for us. What Brad did in no way influenced what I was going to pick. Yeah, so, the, so that's fairly, uh, fairly conclusive uh, as yeah. to the whole event. Well, going up to, um, to to make the selection, I wasn't just going to say you know, mumble seeker avoid and then leave again. Um, I wanted uh, I wanted to give props to Brad for what he had done. Uh, I wanted to make sure that like people realised that he was a good guy. Um, that that worked, didn't it? That was. Uh, <laughs> um, and also, I fucking love professional wrestling, man. I wanted I I felt I deserved a promo at that point. <laughs> I felt like after going through all of this, I felt I deserved to at least come up with something, at least come up with a snappy line and see how it goes. Um, so, so yeah, so, so I went up and, uh, they, they, Zach made the mistake of giving me the mic as opposed to just holding it in front of me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and what I actually said was, uh, if you, I could, you ran away with the mic then <laughs> I did. I, I said, uh, I said, I want to uh, dedicate this pick to, to Brad Eamon um, for the courage of uh, of being willing to to to, to be the villain um, that we need. Um, uh, anybody that uh, that doesn't understand, uh, or any members of the Scorpion that don't understand what being a villain is about, we're probably not the clan for you. Um, and I would have dropped the mic at that point, but it's expensive and it belongs to somebody else. <laughs> so, I, and so I turned it around and, and I handed it off. Um, yeah. It is a very um, Scorpion story. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Because, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Here, you're here like almost three in the morning now, man. Uh, it's, it's almost two. It's fine. Hey. Loads, loads of time to sleep. Time. Well, why do people keep taking hours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks very much for taking the time out, guys. I really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys will uh, hear from me soon if I do well at uh, at PAX coming up yeah. in a couple of weeks. Good Very good point. Yep. Tim is the only one of us that's going to make it there as well. Cause Dev, Devin and I kind of burned all of our holiday and time off for this okay. uh, for the last one. So. All right, so thanks very much. Hey, no problem. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Have a great night. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.